All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome. My name is Mia Paulus. Welcome to the Simplicity in Business and Life podcast. Uh, today, we're talking about another topic that I'm very passionate about, and that is how to build trust in your virtual team. So I've we've been virtual at my company for over five years now, and uh, we are having great success with it. And so I know there's a lot of I've read a lot of articles recently that are saying, oh, it's not working. We've been trying being virtual for a few months now, and it's not. And then others are like, Pinterest is a company that's canceled a $90 million contract in San Francisco um, for a lease that they were building because they're going to go more virtual. So so we're having some companies are having success, some are not. So I really want to just get down to the mindset of different things of what is what is it that builds trust between the employee and the leaders leadership. And and uh, so with that started, with that said, let's go ahead and get started. I'll cue up the music and then we'll get right in. No, it doesn't have to be so hard No, it doesn't have to be so hard Business and life made simple Okay, so first off in this podcast today, I just want to talk about trust in general. I think trust is a misunderstood term. Uh, a lot of times we'll hear trust is earned and, and you have to earn trust and and uh, and it's something that over the years, uh, you know, I've had lots of employees that, you know, probably could have given me a good reason to not trust employees anymore. But if you think about the world in general, trust is what makes the world go round. Without trust, um, things would really crumble. Like if you really just take, I don't know, just little things um, like when you, I don't know, I was going to say buy a car, but that's probably not the best example because uh, obviously there's a stigma around that. But but we trust people to tell us the right information. And, and we want to trust people. It's innate in us to want to trust them. And so I really have thought about like how I handle like just with employees and how much trust I give them. And, and uh, when employees start, I kind of give it like a gradient. I think so often in this world, we're so black and white and that that's all that there is. But if we look at the world in a gradient scale, you know, if, if we give employees, you know, we have to give them our full trust out of the gate, but we don't know them. They haven't earned, you know, that to a degree. So let's give them some trust. We should always give people trust. And uh, and then based on what they do and their performance and if they're honest with you, you, you might start to lose trust in them. And then it, they really have to work hard to gain that trust back and to... Um, to, to really, you know, add add more trust. So it's hard, like once employees start to lose trust because of, of things that they've done, whether they've been dishonest or stole from you or aren't producing and are putting hours down that they're not working, you know, things like that, that just kind of like, oh, I don't know if I can trust them again after they've done these things. And so these are all things as like, as CEOs and as leadership um, that I know we all struggle about and we think through and, and being virtual, I think there's this need to want to micromanage because we can't see them. And, uh, and so I just want to tackle all those things today and, and really get to the, the root of how we build trust in a virtual team. Uh, if you just look at the definition of trust, let me just read the definition of trust. It's actually uh, pretty powerful. So a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. And so you think about reliability, you want to know that they're producing. Uh, truth, you want to know that people are being honest with you. Um, ability, if they said they came into the job saying they could do something and then you're finding out that they didn't, you know, and vice versa, as a leader, they want you to have certain qualities to know that they're, they want to work for you for a long time. And, um, and then strength, like we all need that. I think strength isn't obviously just physical, but like mental, that mental strength, 
um, to be able to handle the, the difficult things and to be able to have the um, emotional intelligence to say and do the right things. And, and so trust is a very deep, has a lot of depth to it. And, um, and so um, this quote I found, it says like, trust is one of the most critical elements of healthy relationships, families, teams, organizations, and communities. However, you may have an odd or disempowered relationship to trust. You've been taught that people must earn your trust when in fact, it's something you grant to others. So like I said, trust is something that we need to, to be willing to give people. And even if we've been soured, even if like we've had a lot of bad experiences, it doesn't mean you distrust. Like in order to create a healthy work environment, as leaders, we have to be willing to give our employees trust and vice versa. Our employees are going to have to be willing to give leadership trust. And it's our our job to keep that trust. And so with that said, I want to talk about um, just a few different elements of how to build trust in teams. Now, the first is, is the foundation of your company. And um, really, our job as visionaries, leaders, CEOs, is to make sure we have a solid foundation for our company so employees know what we stand for, where we plan, plan to go, um, why we do what we do, how the company started. Like it's our job to articulate those elements to them because something magical happens when you can all rally behind a vision and you can all live behind the principles um, of your company is that uh, everybody's inspired and empowered. Um, innovation starts to take off, creativity, um, you're able to empower your, your team to make decisions for you. So you're not having to make all the decisions in your company. And so as that's the first thing is you have to make sure you have that solid foundation, um, first as a company. And then, um, I always like to say, like, before you say virtual isn't working first, be willing to look at yourself. Like is, am I being the leader that I need to be? Are the managers being the leaders that they need to be? And, um, I, uh, a few months ago, I read an article about, it's called the three jewels and it's around the, um, founded upon like Taoism, if you're familiar with any of that. And, uh, and they talked about the three jewels of leadership being around humility, um, compassion and moderation. And I love that. Cause if you think about a lot of the leaders today, like, I'm not sure a lot of them have those three qualities. It's more of a power, uh, greed struggle. And so when you find leaders that have those qualities, like I, I know I gravitate to, towards them. I want to do business with people that have those qualities. Um, and so, so like we need to, as leaders, be able to have that compassion, be able to be empathetic and see, you know, do we need to change something within ourselves first? Like, is that why things are not working as before we first start to just blame the employees that it's, it's, uh, their fault. And so, um, I think those compassion, compassion, humility traits are just, it just keeps us tender. It keeps our hearts softened because when we start to harden that, um, it, it, it's pretty hard to create a non-toxic workplace. Um, and moderation is a unique one because, uh, moderation is actually, uh, if you think about it, you know, if we're, again, we're in extremes in the world, right? So I think about moderation, bringing everything back kind of to the middle of, uh, and in the workplace, like why, if we can, um, not make it all about money or not make it all about, um, just the employee, like sometimes we go to full or it's all about the customer. Like really it's a balance of things. You know, I always talk about, I won't go to detail about these, but I always talk about the balance of people, process and technology or the balance of customers, employees, and strategic partners. Like it's the balance of all those that makes things work. When you focus too far in extremes, then that's when I think things get a little bit out of balance. So, um, so 
those are the first things I want to talk about related to trust. And then um, the third is why being virtual is easier to build um, a, a culture, um, a good culture and trust um, in your company. And uh, some people will be like, really, like in person, uh, you can see what your employees are doing. Um, you can have work parties. You can have all this stuff to just build the environment that you have. Um, but I think back to when we had a brick and mortar company and like how when technology started to come out and email and uh, instant message, like we would all be in our office all day, not even talking to each other except for at the water cooler. So if you think about like when you're in the break room or passing by, like all that stuff gets lost in translation because it doesn't get documented anywhere. And so you're, you're talking about a project and you're talking about it verbally. But like with Zoom, when we do a, ver a video Zoom call, you can record those meetings if you're if you're talking about some really powerful stuff. In fact, when I have an in-person meeting now, I'm like, wait, can we record it somehow? I'm so used to be able to go back if I need to and look at um, recorded stuff because sometimes you just don't want to take notes or it's, it's harder to take notes fast enough for what you want. So um, I think with virtual, you have, I won't go into a lot of the tactics today. I want to kind of stay more in the mindset, but there's a lot of tools that everything gets logged and tracked and you have audit trails and you can record things. And, and that's not just, that's not to micromanage your employees. Um, it's really to make productivity better. Um, I will say though, when you do have a toxic employee, what's great with everything being logged is it, um, it really comes down to you when you're virtual, there's two things you have to go off of with employees. You have communication and productivity. And if either one of those is lacking, it like sticks out like a sore thumb because you don't have all the other things like to get in the way. I was thinking about like the trash. Like when I was, we were small, we had a, we would always take out our own garbage, right? So employees would have a garbage spilling over. It's like, why wouldn't they take out their garbage? Or people would show up in holy jeans when that wasn't the work environment we had. And, and it was, uh, it just created just things that you had to worry about that you don't have to worry about anymore virtually. And I, and I just love that. It simplifies the HR process. And, uh, and so being virtual, like I said, like if you have honesty and, and uh, communication and productivity at the top of your list, then um, what I find when you have toxic employees, it, it's they start to create these like uh, loopholes or circular talk where you end up catching lies in the direct messages and, and Zoom calls. And uh, it really um, exposes them pretty quickly. And, and so um, you can keep the healthy employees and get rid of the toxic employees pretty quickly. And, um, and then also those that aren't producing. So maybe they're not toxic, but they're not communicating or producing. And they're kind of thinking like, oh, I can have a virtual job and I don't have to work. Like they believe me, there's people that we fired that have had that stigma that they can, because it's a virtual job, that they really don't have to work that much. Um, but again, that sticks out like a sore thumb as well. And so those employees, when you let those employees go, it builds trust with the good employees. The good employees know that you're going to protect them. You're going to protect their hard work and their willingness to, um, to be able to communicate and have that emotional intelligence that is needed in the workplace. So um, that to me is like the biggest thing with being virtual and the benefits is just how quickly it exposes um, those toxic employees. And then it, you also recruit better people as well. Uh, you have a bigger pool to go off of. Um, obviously, there's a big push around diversity right now, and it's really hard to be diverse if you're not virtual. Um, I live in Boise, Idaho, and, um, you know, it's just a matter of fact is that it's 
primarily white and it's going to be really hard to it's really hard to get diversity if I was only in Boise but being virtual you know we we still hire based off skill and the best talent for that but it opens up the pool to anybody um to join so all right let's see so I really talked about uh why being virtual is easier to build uh culture and trust um all right so another thing I want to talk about is uh, ways to build trust um, with your team when virtual. So you, I don't want. So when we have meetings, like always have your camera on. Like I know sometimes maybe you're sick in bed and you don't, but like ninety nine percent of the time, <clears throat> you should have your camera on and your employees should have the camera on. It builds that relationship that is you won't you don't get when you're virtual, and it really solves that. Um, that needs for human connection and emotional connection and, um, and communicate often. In fact, in the early days, over-communicate. And uh, don't be afraid of impromptu meetings. I think sometimes because people are home and they don't know what they're doing, they're afraid to say, hey, can you jump on a Zoom call real fast? And, and, uh, but when you're able to do those quick impromptu meetings, like you can keep things moving and productive. And, and uh, I think sometimes the employer and, and the employee, like they don't want to, they don't want to like disrupt somebody and they, so they don't, they don't create those impromptu meetings or that quick responsiveness and, and, uh, and you need that quick responsiveness. Uh, we got into trouble some, when we started to, um, advertise our jobs as le- as more like a freelance type verbiage of like the flexibility in the job. And we started to recruit people that, um, that thought they could again, work virtually and not have to work or they could choose when they worked. And um, so they, they wouldn't get the project done when we needed or they didn't have the bandwidth to get the project done. And it just that created a really tough um, situation. And so it's important to know, like, what types of employees have which responsibilities. So we have some full time employees that are expected to be on during work hours and available and then communicate if they have to go run an errand or go pick up their kids at school. Like we're really flexible with that. Like that's the benefit of being virtual. But it's the employee's job to communicate that. And uh, those are all things you want to make sure you're communicating with them and being very clear on. Um, and then we have some employees that are really more project based and they're just responsible for getting the job done. And I don't care if they get it done at two in the afternoon or at two in the morning, like it's their job to get it done and they know when their deadlines are. And so <clears throat> and so I find like with the full time employees that work during the day, like I want to give them a little more ability to disconnect because they're on all day. I want them fresh for the next day. And so it's like. A lot of times they will respond via Slack or instant messenger when we, after hours if they want, but like, we like to have them disconnect and, um, and then we can always, some, some people that, you know, we have their cell phone if it really was an emergency. Um, but, and then we have the flexible people where really because they have such flexible hours, their job is to be pretty responsive all the time. Like it doesn't mean they're working all the time, but they, they can respond on Slack and they can communicate that way to keep everybody else that is full-time moving. So those are just some quick like tips and tricks that have really worked well for us is, is the different types of employees being flexible and them knowing um, how to manage it. And some, some employees really struggle. I'm going to be honest, like if you're a company that was in person and you went virtual you might find you have a percentage of employees that just aren't going to cut it virtually. So if you really want to stay virtually, um, you might have to consider um, realizing that it's not the best fit for both of you because if they're miserable working from home and that's the direction you want to go, you know, do everything you can to help them find another job, but it's not for everybody. And um, so, but 
again, the employees that do love it, love it. And they, they it's hard. I think it's going to be hard for, for companies to want to push them to go back to being in person. So, um, all right. So another thing is um, micromanaging. So there's this thing of like, oh, they're virtual. We need to micromanage. And I hate micromanaging. Um, so if I have to or I have to, it probably means you don't have the right employee because um, if if you have to constantly tell them to communicate more, you have to constantly tell tell them to complete work on time. And like those are things that have to come. Like, again, those are the basic standards for being virtual. And it doesn't mean we don't give employees time to adjust because I feel like there's like this two or three month adjustment period of working from home, being virtual and learning how to communicate virtually. So it's not like we're like, oh, day one, they didn't figure it out and we're they're done. Like, but it's so important that they um, that you don't you want to empower your team and not micromanage. So if there's somebody that has to be micromanaged, it's tough because it just drains everybody. It drains leadership. It drains the productivity. It drains the innovation. And so um, I'm just a firm believer that if you feel like as leadership, you have to control, then you're probably doing it the wrong way. So I, or you have the wrong employees on the bus. So before you um, start thinking that that's the only way it works, like reflect back on yourself and reflect back on your team first. Cause it, like we, uh, we really don't like to micromanage here at the center. So, um, all right. So again, be upfront with expectations, be upfront and honest, have meetings, have company-wide meetings. Um, as leadership, like we try to be very open and transparent with our employees about what's going on and and um, the, where we're headed. And just because it's virtual, like you want to be, you have to make a very conscious effort to do those things. Um, my husband used to work for a large tech company and he was virtual and most of the staff was um, in person. And that was tough because like he was like the left out one. And so it uh, and he always talks about how it was just it was I mean, ended up quitting a pretty good paying job because it just wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth the, um, you know, you just don't you don't get the the level of the emotional connection that employees need from others. And so um, it's just really important that as as leadership, we take we just do an effort to um to really engage the employees. So if you have a hybrid model, what I suggest is not making the virtual people adapt to the hybrid or to the brick and mortar um, tactics and, and processes. You need to do it the other way around. You need to have the brick and mortar adapt to the virtual processes. And um, I, I really believe like that's the only way it's going to work um, and keep the culture and the trust in the, in the environment that you need. The problem with that is you might find out that you really don't need your office after a while because you've now implemented the virtual. So you see how the trend is starting to happen. Um, I think you need to be either all in brick and mortar, all in virtual, or if you're hybrid, you got to adapt to the virtual. And then over a while, you might find out it's just easier to be virtual. So um, just some some ideas on how to build trust there. So um, the last thing I want to just close with is uh, why you need to implement an employee experience program. And this only works just so you know, if you have a pretty good base foundational layer first, a level of trust. Um, otherwise, if you start in doing like virtual games through Slack or um, it, sending things like we send a lot of like physical packages to employees, maybe before like a themed um, company meeting, we'll have maybe like a a luau type theme. And so we'll send them like some lays and different stuff in the mail. And, and those are just fun ways to bring the, the physical tactical tactile, not tactical tactile, um, 
elements into the virtual world and it works really well. But if you start doing that stuff when you have a toxic environment, it almost makes it worse. So that's why I wanted to go over those more um, foundational elements first and making sure that you you're personally have your stuff together. Your company has its stuff together because really your company can only be as strong and healthy as you are and your leadership team is. Um, and I really firmly believe that. And so um, a lot of employers, though, don't invest enough in this element. In fact, sometimes I feel like I have a bigger budget than sometimes some of the Fortune 500 clients we work with that have uh, employee engagement programs. And so uh, it's just it's just important to make sure that you're investing in your employees and they know that you see them um, and you see the value in them. And in fact, we've had to make this year in 2020, we've had to make some tough decisions on some things and some changes and and it's almost strengthened our team more, which is kind of weird to think about because it's like, man, that should have like destroyed our team, but it actually built our team stronger together because we have healthy people um, in our team. Um, and it honestly, it, it it naturally lets the the ones that aren't good fit, um, whether because um, they have some things to work through or, or they just don't align with the vision. Um, and that's okay. Those Don't get upset when employees leave. I used to get so worked up, like, what did I do wrong when somebody left? And now I realize like, it's natural. It's a it's a way to kind of balance the system. Like when you're really clear on expectations and your vision and all that, it just siphons it in the way that is best for your company. So, all right. Um, so I wanted to just really just focus on the mindset today of of um, building teams. Other podcasts I'll go more into the um, just some some of the tactical like tools that we use. But I really want to just make sure like being virtual that you can get your mindset right and you know what goes into that. Um, I'm obviously a big proponent of virtual. I love it. I wouldn't change it the world. Um, I love the talent that we can attract. Um, I love how we can, it simplifies the HR process. Um, so just a lot. And I already talked about the hybrid model and the struggles that you might potentially find with that. So if you are struggling with virtual in your hybrid, like go back and re-listen to this podcast and kind of look at the things that I had mentioned. Um, so that's all I have for you today. I hope you like these. We're going to continue just to get deeper and deeper in these podcasts um, on some topics. Uh, I just want to kind of get some of these these broader topics out there and just kind of show you my mindset and where I am with things. So you can, if you like these, you know, um, you can continue to listen to them and, and really get, learn more and more and get deeper with um with your company. Uh, one of the things I just actually wrote a book around the purposeful focus in business, and it is, it is geared towards the foundation of businesses. So your purpose, your values, and your vision. So if you feel like you need to go back and revisit that, or you're like, I don't even have one, um, you can actually go to my personal website. So miapolis.com and you'll be able to access the book there and you can purchase it and you can get the, the physical copy or download an audiobook, things like that. So, um, so if uh, you need help with that, like that's step one to me before you can even have a, uh, a great culture. So, all right, that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again. Mia Paulus here with the Simplicity in Business and Life podcast, and I will see you next week. No, it doesn't have to be so hard. Doesn't have to be so hard Business and life made simple